Welcome to Love, Life, and Law of Attraction with Lisa Hayes. This is the place where you'll learn how to find the love of your life and build a life you love. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa, and I am here today with Anne Bollinger, the author of the new best-selling book, Alcohol Clarity. Clarity is alchemy. Alchemy is clarity. I should have it Cla- in front of me. Right? Just clarity alchemy. Clarity. Uh, clarity alchemy. Um, I read it yesterday. It launched yesterday. It hit the bestseller list in its category yesterday. And right before the show started, we were talking about how excited slash exhausted Anne is today on the heels of this incredible book launch. So I just kind of want to dive right into it. But before we do that, Anne, I'm going to give my puppy snoring disclaimer. That's what the noise is in the background. And why don't you give us a little bit of background, like your bio, your your story, kind of what brought you to the point of writing the book. And then I'm going to ask you why you wrote the book. Okay, so a bit about myself. I'm a certified law of attraction life coach who is extremely interested in helping people find their own personal clarity. It's not necessarily the clarity around building a, a job or a business. It's really more on clarity of, of helping people find out who they really are, what their internal motivations are, what their passions are, that kind of thing. Um, Why I wrote the book, it's something that, okay, being a law of attraction coach, I've tried so many different kinds of law of attraction techniques and was frustrated beyond belief because for me, a lot of them didn't work and I just didn't get it. But coming into sort of learning about intuition and about tarot and about those kinds of, of, of other, other ways of getting to know yourself helped me realize what was going wrong. It helped me clear up my energy and my vibration. It helped me get much better clarity and focus on how to manifest, which created a world of difference between what I was trying to do and what I was actually accomplishing. And I wrote the book to kind of take readers through the processes that I went through to help me get to the point where I am right now where clarity is something that I can easily access, if that makes sense. I muted myself. Um, It makes a lot of sense. I mean, and I think that that's not uncommon, actually, that people who start this path of deliberate creation, they get very excited about law of attraction work, find some real challenges in the process of of making it work for them. I mean, there's, it's, it is a highly, incredibly unique or individual process. And I think that everybody's kind of looking for the one size fits all solution when a lot of times they don't take the time to get to know themselves well enough to figure out what actually fits them. Does, does that make sense? Exactly. Uh, this is one of the things that I was finding with, you know, 
the different coaches that I was sort of connecting with and seeing how they were actually being able to make it work, one of the big things I did realize through this whole process is that when you are a person who's in a situation where you're feeling stressed and frustrated and you're in that negative thought spiral, it is really, really difficult to try to follow the teachings of law of attraction and find that better feeling thought. Right, So a lot of these techniques that I've used are ones where it can help you get over that and get through it and actually achieve what it is you're looking for. And I think because that it's really, that that can be most challenging is when what you're facing looks really big. I mean, the, sub, the subtitle to your book is, tell me what the subtitle, because, I mean, you're really talking about when success is the only option. You know, yep, that's the subtitle. I mean, we yep. We we deal with a lot of a lot of soft stuff in our lives and a lot of little edgier stuff in our lives. And I think when we're up against that edgy stuff, what looks like the quote big unquote things, that's when it can be the most difficult to find the better feeling thought, stay focused on what you want to experience versus what's happening in reality and all of those sort of law of attraction catchphrases. It's it's the big stuff that tends to set us kind of spinning really, really quickly. I mean, what was your thought process in writing the book with sort of that notion when success is the only option? Well, again, what I was finding that pressure when success is your only option puts a different kind of tint on the way you're thinking about things quite often. I know that in law of attraction, we look a lot at, and in coaching, we look a lot at limiting beliefs. But a lot of the beliefs that I found that were restricting me and preventing me from moving forward were ones that I wasn't even aware of. And that that pressure to be successful, the pressure, the recognition that if I made that move and wasn't successful, I'm really out of, you know, have very little options to go to, was causing some thoughts that were playing around underneath what I was aware of. And that only came to the surface when I was able to use things like tarot to go deep. So I think that's one of the major issues as well. So I want to talk about kind of two sides of the same coin, I think. I want to talk, first of all, about core values. And then I want to talk about the tools of the trade in terms of intuition. Both of those things help you get to sort of that center place of really knowing who who you are what your desires are. And I think that sounds like such an obvious thing. Who am I and what are my desires? But the reality mm-hmm. is, is a lot of people don't know who they are and are completely out of touch with what their desires are. So let's start with core values, which I think is a very commonly used sort of coachy term. But your work takes that out of kind of the commonly used coachy realm. I mean, you take it to a deeper place. So talk to me a little bit about core values. From a law of attraction point of view, from some of the books that I've been reading by Esther Hicks, the um, approach that Abraham takes towards core value is that it's really your consciousness. And again, even some of the new quantum sciences like bio, um, biocentrism uh, are looking at the idea that we really are consciousness that comes into a physical body and leaves that physical body and before it comes into that physical body exists someplace else and after it leaves our physical body exists someplace else now what abraham's talking about is the fact that this 
this this consciousness, what we bring in with it when we're born, are the basic personality characteristics of who we are and what is going to bring us joy here in this physical realm. And that's really our sole purpose here on Earth. And I think, as I say, biocentrism and some of those new quantum physics sciences, biosciences, are showing similar kinds of things. And if you take it to its next sort of logical step, when you're looking at things like intuition, we talk about our inner wisdom and our higher self. Now, I've been reading some things recently that look at the idea that this consciousness is both of those, that there are bits of that consciousness that split off when we're born, and that's what's our higher, what is our higher self. So when we use intuition to connect to our higher self, we're really connecting to our own consciousness. And that's where I, that's where I start the approach to looking at these core values from. It's the recognition that they're so much a part of, of who we are. They're almost like our individual fingerprint or individual DNA. They're unique to us. We're the only ones who know what they mean to us. We're the only ones who know how we want to express those in our daily life. We're the only ones who want to know how they show up. And when we get that right, we are our authentic self. So where do you think we lose that along the way? Because, I mean, it seems like that should be really easy to do, be your essential self. Like, that's again, that sounds really basic, and yet I think it's probably not quite as basic as it sounds. What are the complications with being your essential self? Part of the complications from the material that I've been reading are the fact that we end up having this layer over top of that essential self. Um, it's our social self, and it's the part of ourselves that we learn as we grow up. Everybody's born into a family. Everyone's born into a community. Everyone's born into a country. And within that context, we develop certain images of who we are. It's like a person whose parents want them to become a lawyer. That's the social self being created, where what the person themselves wants to do is to be an artist or a writer or to be a ship's captain. And that's what the essential self is telling them to do. Now, you can't, you can't survive with the, the skill set that the social self learns because that's the, that's the part of you that interacts with the public. But in pursuing so much of that social self, what we tend to do is we give up bits and pieces of our essential self and we bury them. And when at some point the frustration starts building when our essential self, the core values that we've been burying for so long, actually start to want to come to life, want to be seen on the surface. And I've been doing a lot, we've been having a lot of conversations with people and clients, and I mean, everybody, my husband and I had this conversation the other day. I think that I'm going to state something super obvious. You ready for an obvious statement? Go for it. We only, we, we experience discomfort. And I think it's one of the, it's the only time we experience real discomfort in our experience as humans is when our behaviors, our actions, our way of being, where we're investing time, money, and energy in the world, where where all of those things aren't in line with our true core values or our true priorities in life. And that sounds really, really basic, but I think that it's it's actually quite complicated because 
if I'm finding myself experiencing a high degree of dissatisfaction or a low degree in dissatisfaction in my life, I can look at a lot of like day-to-day sort of social self things that I might want to fix or tweak. But that's probably really a cue that I've somehow fallen out of line with what my true core values really are. Do you agree? Absolutely. Especially when it starts becoming something that's not just a one-off situation. If it starts becoming more consistent and more regular, then it's time to take a look at what, what the common thread is between what's causing the frustration. In reality, a lot of people's lives can look absolutely brilliant on paper, but they themselves can find what they're going through to be extraordinarily frustrating because there is something out of whack, just out of alignment there. And yeah, as you say, that will show up on um, in so many different ways. It's your, it's your intuition trying to get your attention, saying, hey, look, there's something a little bit more fundamentally wrong here. Let's take a closer look. It's so easy to bury that, but those who do stop and take a look can find some real personal gold there. So, okay, let's talk about intuition then. Because I think, like, core values work can be work that can be done on paper. I mean, it really is almost an academic per- an academic exploration of your soul. Not that we use those two words in the same sentence very often, but I really do think it is. It's that kind of curious exploration that that can literally be done on paper, where intuition is maybe something else. It's, it's, that's, that's the other piece of the bread in the sandwich here. Like, where does intuition come into play in terms of really digging in to your core self, your soul self, your essential self, and how you access that intuition? Because I think a lot of people, I keep using the words a lot of people, I'm really generalizing a lot, but it's true. A lot of people are sort of cut off from their intuitive second nature. Right. Everyone is intuitive. Everyone can access their intuition. And I think the, the, where the intuition fits in with core values, I think you're right to a degree that core values can be an academic exercise where you can look through it. But ultimately, I think it's intuition does come into play in choosing your core values because if you don't feel connected to those core values at a deep, deep level, they may not be the right one for you. It's like when I was looking for my core values, I thought creativity was a core value that was really important to me. And although it is, it's much deeper than that as far as how it resonates with me. It's really that authentic self-expression, which isn't quite creativity. It's something a little bit different. And that's what, what as I say, resonates more deeply with me and with my intuition and with who I am. It allows me to see things more clearly with what it is that I'm doing. And I think that's where intuition comes into play with your core values. You can intellectually know what your core values are, and that's great, but it's when you can make that leap between the intellectually knowing what your core values and intuitively knowing what your core values are that you really take that big step forward and can really sort of dig into who your authentic self is. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's really big and really small at the same time. Like it's a huge, huge thing, but it's very, very subtle. And I think for somebody who's just exploring with this concept, how would you recommend, like, what would you give them as far as cues or clues to know if they're hooked in 
on an intuitive level or if they're still thinking it from their their social self. I mean, what is that subtle nudge that we're really looking for? For me, that subtle nudge was, again, it was recognizing it was my intuition that was talking to me, and I realized that that's a step that a lot of people need to experience and explore. But a lot of it, too, is just simply, you know, with your intuition, as I say, your intuition likes to give you these little nudges to tell you to look at something because it's important to you. When we learn how to follow expression, when we, when we notice what we notice and why we're noticing it, that's sort of an understanding of what your intuition is, is pointing out to you, what your intuition thinks is important enough for you to notice. So again, it was this idea of just sort of noticing that creativity felt a little bit off to me in terms of, well, it's, it's really nice, it's good as a core value, but it's not really the full expression of what it is that I, I'm looking for. I think it was you who originally mentioned that concept of authentic self-expression. And the minute I heard that, it was like it triggered a, an aha moment. It was more like it was a feeling of coming home to a feeling that was a little bit more deep for me and a little bit more connected to who I am. So in order to see the sort of subtle differences, really look for, you got to kind of be aware of the differences in how you're reacting to the individual words, how you're feeling when you think about what that, those words mean to you and what it means to you to have them show up in your life. And I think that's where that sort of pulling in your intuition to look at your core values really plays a strong part and it can really expose itself through that process. It really does come down to being willing to feel something rather than think it. And to recognize like, what you're feeling, notice it. Right. I agree. So, I mean, I start the year with a lot of my clients doing core values work. You know this because I've emailed you a couple times and said, can I get a link to your core values workbook? I mean, it's like, it's something that I often do. And one of the questions that comes up with people when they're doing core values work is, how many core values do I have? Like, and in doing this work with clients around the new year, I've seen core values come back like, these are my, my two core values. And I've got another client, and it's like, here's my 97 core values. Is there a right or a wrong in terms of how many core values you should really be looking for? Intuitively, I would say there's probably no right or wrong. But looking at it logically, if you're trying to incorporate 97 different core values into the creation of the lifestyle that you want, that's a huge ask. Um, so I think realistically, and again, the other, the flip side of the coin, if all you're doing is trying to incorporate two core values into your lifestyle, that may be a bit underwhelming. Everything I've read or seen or heard about core values, both company core values as well as personal core values, fixes the magic number around four, five, six. Anything above six, and I think it gets too complicated and it gets too difficult to handle anything below four and I think you run the risk of at some point in your life feeling that frustration because there is an alignment deficit there there is something that you're not really aligned to so for somebody who's a beginner I would shoot for about five or six core values to start with and see how that feels do you mind if I ask you what your five or six core values are <laughs> oh I have to see if I can remember them now 
Um, authentic authentic self-expression is one. Deep wisdom is one. Uh, freedom is one. Adventure is one. Um, and mentoring. Those are my top five. Do they change over time? I mean, this is another question I hear about core values all the time. And I, I mean, I've wondered this about myself. I mean, I, 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 I tend to answer this question both ways. Like, I tend to think when we look at it from your way of saying that your core values are a soul blueprint, then that's probably pretty fixed. But I, I would, at first glance, I would say my core values have changed as I've gotten older. What's really changed is my priorities, not my core values. I just may not have known myself well enough when I was younger to really be able to feel out, honestly, intuitively explore what my core values really are. But do you think they're fixed or do you think they shift? I believe very strongly that they're fixed. But having said that, I recognize that even a fixed concept can be very flexible. So again, within the realm, if somebody has one of their core values, it's freedom. Within that framework of the concept of freedom, there are so many different ways of interpreting it and so many different ways for it to show up in your life that when you're younger, that concept may show up in a way that is completely different. You know, freedom for a teen may simply be being able to stay out until 2 o'clock in the morning um, or be able to disappear someplace where their parents don't know where they are, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas freedom for somebody who's in their 40s or 50s may be yeah, getting time, getting time on their own away from, well, again, it's going back to the same kind of concept, away from the family, but it, it may be going out on a solo trip, sort of traveling around the world. It may be freedom becoming an entrepreneur. Mm. So I think how we interpret what our core concepts are, what feelings we associate with those core concepts or our desired feelings may change through time. But I think if you were to take a look again at the thread that goes through all of the things that your strong desires are attached to, there would be some kind of common denominator that would, would tie them all together. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to ask you one more about question about core values, and then I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to come back and talk about intuition. Um, I mean, the freedom comes to the top on a lot of lists, also, so does security or certainty. And, and you and I have had this conversation on the back end about what looks like maybe conflicting core values. Do you ever see conflicting core values or do core values always find... Oh, I hope that's not me. There we go. Do core values always find a harmonious, a harmonious family relationship on the path? So are you talking about personal core values that a person has? Can they be in conflict? Or are you talking yeah. about personal core values within a family? Okay, wait, so just wait. Yeah, I use the word family. I shouldn't have personal core values. Can they be in conflict? I don't know. Again, if you look deeper at the meaning of the words that you're using, so freedom and security seem to be two words that are diametrically opposed to each other. But I think if you were to go underneath, it, it, it may be an indicator that freedom and security are not your true core values, that there is something underneath that connects those two. What gives you the sense of freedom? What gives you the sense of security that may be sort of two ends of the same spectrum? 
I like that. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. But if it looks like they conflict, it's an invitation to go deeper. That's really smart. So, okay, we're so, going to take yeah. a quick, quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. Score Your Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon-worthy life you'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find Score Your Soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. Okay, so let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit or a lot actually about intuition. And I want to get into this with you because I think that your journey through your intuition has probably made you one of this subject's leading experts. And I don't say that lightly because a lot of people talk about intuition. But your path here has really taken you to some very profound and unique places. So I want to give us a little bit of background about kind of that that journey or that path through exploring and really coming to peace with and learning to put into play everything that you get from your intuition. Oh, that's a big ask. (laughs) Okay. Um, I completed a program through somebody who is really brilliant with intuition called um, the Automatic Intuitive. And it was in that program, I think, again, Lisa, you mentioned originally this person that you liked the idea that his website was like 98% less unicorns and rainbows when he talked about intuition. So I completed his program, and in doing it, it's sort of one of the first things that happened to me was I happened to actually meet my guardian angel, somebody who'd been with me for a very, very, very long time. And I know that the process that I went through of incredulity that this could actually be happening was one that I have a feeling a lot of people go through. But that's what sort of started me on this path of exploring just what what other realms had to offer us. And by doing that exploration, became more deeply motivated to look at what intuition was and how to connect with intuition. Now, I'm not saying everyone who wants to connect with intuition needs to go through that process where they meet someone like a guardian angel and actually have a conversation with them. I remember my first thing she said to me was she's been waiting. So like been there for my whole life. Um, But like I said, not everybody needs to go through that process in order to connect with your intuition. Your intuition is with you all the time with whatever decision that you're making. It's a combination of both intellect and intuition because literally we can't predict the future. And when we're making decisions, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to predict the future. The more you know your intuition, the more you connect to your intuition, the more, the better your decision making can be because you get that immediate reaction of whether it feels right for you or whether it doesn't, or you get some kind of feedback. Now, the trick to connecting with your intuition is being able to identify what's your intuition versus what's your gremlin versus what's just simply that interpersonal conversation that goes on inside your own head. 
And in order to do that, one of the things you kind of really need to understand and to recognize is how you're actually receiving those um, those messages. For me, I receive those messages through it's almost like a spoken thought where I feel the words or sense the words. Other people may connect with your intuition by seeing a vision of what it is that they're looking for. Others may connect with your intuition by getting goosebumps or getting some kind of a feeling. So it's really a question of being able to identify how you're receiving those messages. And in order to do that, you really have to slow your brain, slow your mind down so that that internal chatter doesn't take over and completely dominate what's going on inside your mind. Not always easy to do. Another way of being able to connect with your intuition, one that I've discovered recently, which is absolutely fascinating, is something called sidewalk oracles, where basically you go to a new part of town. You take a walk through a new part of town and you literally watch what your attention is being drawn to. So if you're walking past a beautiful garden and you know all of a sudden your attention is being drawn to this incredible rose that's sort of sitting there, you might want to start asking yourself, well, what is it my intention wants me to see from the rose? What is there in my life right now that's representative of the rose? What, what's the message here? And that's another really good way of being able to connect with your intuition. Do you think your intuition, you know what I think about this. I know what you think about this, but I'll ask the question anyway. Do you think your <laughs> intuition gets stronger as your willingness to take those leaps of faith with your intuition increase. You know, you, you feel the intuitive nudge and you act on it. Is it easier next time to hear that voice, whatever it is, however it comes through? Like the correlation between, I hate to use the word faith, but it kind of is. It's like a belief in your own ability to connect. That correlation between faith and volume of your intuition, I think are really closely aligned. What are your thoughts? I think there's two things here. One is, yes, definitely. The more you use your intuition, the more you get to recognize what that nudge feels like. And the more you get, not only the more you get to appreciate and understand and hear it, but the more you get, the stronger and the more defined and definitive that kind of piece of information becomes. So you're getting a stronger kind of hit on your intuition. The second thing is I see intuition as being a spectrum where at one end is sort of receiving these kinds of messages sort of from your inner wisdom or your higher self or from wherever it is that we're receiving them. And it can take us all the way through to certain psychic abilities. So if you have like any kind of clair essence, clair ability, like um, clair audio, clair video, those kinds of, of, of talents, you can develop those into psychic abilities, what we normally refer to as psychic abilities. I think Dean Radden, in his work through the International IONS, International Organization of Noetic Sciences, has done some incredible research that shows just through things like meditation, you can start experiencing much more on that end of psychic phenomenon when you start looking at and connecting with and developing your intuition. I feel like intuition, a lot of times people want to look at intuition as a newspaper. It's going to get information. Let's, what are the facts? 
going to dial into my intuition and read the headlines for today. And I see intuition as a much more co-creative experience. Intuition is much more of a conversation than it is, you know, a newspaper. That it it becomes more fulfilling to engage with your intuition if you're doing it in a conversational way rather than an instructional way. And I think that's something that you have really mastered, sort of a conversational approach with various aspects of your intuition, where it's not a one-way relationship, but it's a two-way relationship with the different facets of your intuition. I think that's one of the reasons why I love tarot so much, because I find that I connect most strongly to my intuition when I'm reading tarot cards for myself. I've had some experiences about six months ago. I was feeling really sort of upset upset and frustrated at the fact that my business wasn't going as well as what it should, and I felt like the energy that I was putting out was actually more blocking clients from coming to me rather than being open and welcoming, and I couldn't figure out what that meant. I couldn't figure out what was going on, so I went to the tarot cards used a combination of tarot and pendulum, which I also used to connect with intuition, and asked them just exactly what was going on. And the response I got was that I was having a lot of problems accepting the responsibility for creating a viable long-term business. Now, that's a response. That's, a, that's, a, that's an answer and understanding of my own self I would never have gotten to had it not been going through that route of intuition, tarot, and using the pendulum to come up with this, basically, as you say, to have this conversation with my intuition. That's why I feel that that combination between intuition and tarot cards creates such an incredibly strong and powerful connection. Mm -hmm. I tend to agree that there's, you know, maybe, I I would say, two lines, two, two players on the front line. There's your gut instinct, right? You know, the, that immediate gut response to the data or the sensory input that's coming in that is intuitive. And sometimes right. we can be really confused about our gut instinct. I mean, you, you mentioned it. I mean, is this my gremlin? Is this my internal dialogue? Is this my intuition? But really honing down on gut instinct is one player on the front line. But that relationship with your gut instinct becomes ever so much more dynamic if you learn a tool, which in your case has been tarot. Like you said, it might be a pendulum. It might be, I love, I love the sidewalk oracles. I mean, but learning a tool to help you interpret your gut instinct also takes a tremendous amount of the guesswork out of what your intuition is really trying to say. Exactly. To me, it's like having a third-person perspective on a situation that you're trying to gain an understanding of. That experience that I had where I wasn't sure what was going on, I would never, ever have gotten to that point and to that depth of understanding on my own. I have tried. I've tried with coaches to get there as well. And it just it was not something that I was even considering as a possibility. But having that sort of third-person I know it sounds weird to think of it this way, but having that third-person perspective can sometimes solidify or clarify what what the response is, what the answer to your question is in ways that you couldn't do that on your own. 
And again, I'm not necessarily saying that the answers I got was from my higher self. There are other realms that I think tarot connects us to as well. And it could very easily have come from something, something else, which is also very interesting. Do you ever feel like, this is my last question on intuition, and it probably is going to lead to 20 other questions, but I'm going to try and keep there. Do you ever feel like when you're playing with these kinds of tools or experimenting with these aspects of intuition, there's a risk of tapping into something that's not trustworthy or negative or dark? Because I get asked this question about intuition a lot. I have never, ever, ever felt that there was anything that I should be afraid of it could simply be because, um, as you know, the very first time my first experiences getting involved with intuition were connecting with um, essences from other realms, which, which through conversations that you and I had and we had with, with her as well, made me feel extraordinarily comfortable that I was being watched over. And I think Everybody who's in the same position that I'm in, who's doing this kind of work, has that same kind of guidance and protection. So no, there was, there has never ever been a feeling of this is opening a door to darkness. I, I just don't think that's possible. I think even if you're somebody who wants to open a door to darkness, doing this kind of thing, you would have a lot of difficulty actually doing it in a way that's going to cause any kind of problem or harm. I agree. Okay, so let's talk really quickly, or not so quickly, maybe, about your book. I'm going to ask you two questions about your book. So Clarity Alchemy, I mean, that's such a powerful title. What would be three takeaways that somebody would take away after reading your book? And the next question is, who do you recommend this book for? Okay, the takeaways from the book. Um, the book was written for somebody who was in a situation that I was in not too long ago, feeling frustrated and stressful, not knowing where to go with their life, not knowing what they want to not knowing what they want to actually create in their life, but knowing that they needed to get away from, wanted to get away from the life that they were currently in. So one of the takeaways from the book is really getting a crystal clear idea or vision or understanding of who you are. So it goes to your passions and your core values and what, how you want those showing up in your life. So what you want your life to look like when you incorporate those passions and core values into your life. So that's one big takeaway. It gives people an idea and an image of what it is they're actually going to so they can start progressing. The second and third, I think, big takeaways are that that whole last part of the book, chapter four, is the alchemy part. And that looks at the individual techniques that I talk about, intuition, the law of attraction um, tools and techniques, the um, core values, sorry, not core values, I look at tarot in that section. And the final one is looking at the power of words and your vocabulary. On their own, each one of these tools and techniques can help you move towards creating that lifestyle that you've already visualized. But when you use them in combination, I think that's where the alchemy and the magic really takes place. So the second takeaway would be use at least one of those techniques to start down that road of creating the life you want. And the third takeaway would be experiment with combining 
those techniques just to see how much of a difference it creates in your ability to manifest. And sorry, I forgot what the second really, question was that you asked. You already answered it. Who would benefit from okay. buying the book? I, I'm really into that. I'm really, really, really into the concept of experimenting. Like, I think that we are, we're so black and white, do this. It's like, yeah, no, let's do this and experiment with it and see if it actually gives you a sum total gain. Rather than just going down this road and saying, yeah, I'm going to do this because I'm being told to. Like, I can pretty much guarantee that you're right. The alchemy of those tools creates a much more complete outcome in terms of experiment experience. But I like the invitation to experiment with it and, and check yourself. Check the numbers. Look at the data. Is this working? Am I getting a payoff? Because I think when we're looking at it curiously, it probably increases the effectiveness of the tool. I read someplace the other day that you can get gains in any place in your life that you can get finite measurements. If you can measure it at a small enough degree, you can always improve. And I think that's so true. And the invitation to experiment kind of encourages us to take those measurements. True. In fact, the whole book, because it's premised on the fact that, that the people who are going to be reading the book are have a lot to lose if they're not successful, the whole premise of the book is to experiment and explore before you actually go ahead and try to move forward, which is why the whole, you know, the first section of the book is on clarity and it takes people through the whole processes of first understanding who they are and what they want and what they're passionate about and what they love before they even begin to make change. And I feel that by doing that, by going through that process, change has already started. So what change is going to be the best benefit for you has already started by the time you get to the point where you're actually physically trying to create that life in your reality. In fact, although the book itself was was originally written for women who were at or approaching midlife, my daughter, who's in her early 30s, has read the book, and she said she couldn't believe how much her perspective and her life changed just by reading that approach of of rather than trying to fix what's wrong or correct what's broken, which bothers me no end when people request or or ask you to do that, um, what she was saying was that that whole process of looking at what's good and what's right and what makes you happy for her was an eye-opener. And it really made a very quick shift in her life, even though she'd only read it like the day before. The shift was that fast. So where do people get in touch with you and how do they get their hands on this book? Okay, so the book is going to be free on Amazon.com till Saturday, January 23rd. Um, But it'll still be available on Amazon.com and and the various Amazon outlets after that. So you can look for the book, Clarity Alchemy, on Amazon. As far as getting in touch with me, my website is www.amazon.com. A-N-N-E-B-O-L-E-N-D-E-R.com. And you can send me a note or send me an email and just drop by and say hi. And I will just say, the book is genius. And Anne is an incredibly gifted coach. And what we're talking about sounds like it would be fairly easy to implement, but it may not be. Like if you start down this path with or without the book and you feel like you need support or you've got questions, if you need clarity about clarity, Anne is the expert 
on this subject. So don't hesitate to reach out to her. You are amazing, my friend. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me here. I have really enjoyed this conversation with you. Go find Anne's book, you guys. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. What if nothing had to change for you to love the body you have right now? Everyone says you need to love yourself, but if you don't know how, self-love feels like a sugary sentiment that doesn't really mean anything. Body Love Boot Camp will teach you the mechanics of self-love. You will learn to treat yourself and your body like you are worthy of love, not later, but now. Loving your body now doesn't mean you've given up on change. It means you're treating your body with the kind of respect that change is made from. So, if you're ready to get off that diet roller coaster thrill ride once and for all, check out Body Love Boot Camp today. www.bodylovebootcamp.com The body of your dreams just might be the one you have today www.bodylovebootcamp.com Thanks for listening to Love, Life, Life and Law of Attraction. Tune in next week to learn more about how to find the love of your life and love a life you love.